When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, Dan here from Desert Island X. This episode features the very funny Alison Spittle. But before we get to that, I just wanted to pop up here and ask that if you like this, please like and subscribe from wherever you get your podcasts. It's really useful for us and you'll never miss an episode, so that's good as well. And while you're there, feel free to leave us a review if you like it too. Anyway, that's probably enough for me. I hope you're all okay during this lockdown, wherever you are. And here's Desert Island X with Alison Spittle. Hi, I'm Dan Benedictus and welcome to Desert Island Dicks, the show that sees you marooned on a desert island after a plane crash with the worst people and worst things imaginable. Who they are and why they're a dick is up to our guest and here to share their Desert Island Dicks with us today is comedian Alison Spittle. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? Good, good. I suppose we're all having our own version of uh, Desert Island Dicks now at the moment with the corona yeah uh, hopefully you can find it a bit cathartic and get stuff off your chest a little bit while you're you're stuck in uh in lockdown over in ireland oh no i'm living in london oh you're in london if i was in ireland i'd be a lot happier yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay so it's less international than i thought but that's okay essentially we could pretend we're anywhere given that we're we're just connected by a laptop and uh and a video screen Absolutely. It's like Eurovision. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, how did you find the process of whittling down your choices today? Um, um, yeah, I found it I found it harder to pick the people than um than the food and the and the songs and the and the music. Um I suppose I kind of I have a historical person and then the rest is kind of like uh, types of people. Okay. Okay. Great. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing them. So uh, let's dive in. And who's your first choice? So the person I would pick would be the type of people that live with me. I think like 90% of the people that I've lived with in the past uh, have ended on a bad note or I've disliked. <laughs> so that that would be the type of person I wouldn't like to meet on a desert island. Okay. And do they do they share a particular trait or something that that grates? Impatience. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's the bad thing about living with me. Um, yeah, I think I think um, they do. A big thing would be uh, when living with a person, especially in an island. I feel that you have to give and take, and a lot of the people that I've lived with haven't given or taken. Like I lived with one flatmate, and. Um, the house was, a t- I mean, it was a very cheap house mm-hmm. um, and it came with a lot of really bad art. But I kind of liked it because it was very cheap and it was obviously very amateur art made by people that had lived there previously and just weird. But she replaced it all with like live, laugh, love oh. um, picture frames, which I think is more disgusting. <laughs> and I mean, there was one picture that she replaced and it was like, of a woman holding up her skirt above her knee and looking at you uh, covered in spirals. And still I found that less offensive than the lip half love. 
Yeah, that's very much of the sort of gin o'clock kind of uh, school of art, isn't it? Oh, definitely. People that uh, think Prosecco is a personality, um, <laughs> that would be a very, very big thing that I dislike. And I do like Prosecco, but um, I don't like uh, shouting it out from the rooftop, so I just find it... Uh, very untrustworthy yeah and I, I suppose if you were stuck with a person like this on a desert island um you know you'd sort of go off gathering food and and firewood and come back and find they'd just spruced up the place a little bit and uh made their own versions of those signs yes yes made it with seashells and maybe just uh right laugh <laughs> dot 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 into the into the sand uh which I think would would drive me insane, absolutely insane. The sort of live, laugh, love thing is it's almost a kind of noughties or or, or what we're calling this decade, the 20s version of kind of uh, you don't have to be mad to work here sort of thing, isn't it? It's that same school of thought. It is, but I wonder who started it. I wonder, I'd love to be in the meeting room with, with the originator of that, like I... Uh, is it is it from like eat pray love or what what would you say is the origins of uh the live laugh love thing it's weird isn't it because it's one of those things that probably someone came up with it and it's impossible to sort of copyright it probably ran 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 across the globe before anyone could copyright it or anything like that so there's probably just an incredibly bitter man Mm. out there somewhere every time he sees it it's like that was my idea, damn it. I should be a billionaire by now. And uh, and every time he walks, like his wife might spot one in a shop and she has to sort of direct his attention elsewhere so he doesn't ruin the day with his, his anger. Yeah, because he's not going by that mantra, is he? <laughs> he's not live, living life and laughing. And um, so, but this, this encompasses a wide range of people you've lived with. Mm. You've got stuck with a lot of people like this. Yeah, I suppose, who, who else is there? There's the type of... Oh, here's the surprising one. Ukulele teachers. Fuck them in the bin. <laughs> Hate them. <laughs> Generally. <laughs> Just any any ukulele teacher I've met, evil. Actually pure evil. I've met two, but they're evil. <laughs> <laughs> the ukulele is one of those things, isn't it? That like It has a very sort of cheerful uh sound but it's also incredibly great the sort of people mm. that play it are often very irritating it's the fedora of the instruments it's a it's a red flag <laughs> it's an absolute red flag i mean someone of a ukulele is someone who uh <laughs> whose favorite film is scarface and has no idea about consent <laughs> like that's how i feel <laughs> uh, it also feels like someone who generally ukulele players when i hear the ukulele it's uninvited somewhere in a campsite or festival they never no one ever says oh you've got a ukulele great play me a song yes no one ever you know they don't they never wait for that no and i, I don't think that was the kind of consent you were talking about <laughs> <laughs> I feel like no one, no one has ever like, uh, not even someone's relative has gone. John, John, get the ukulele out. Show your aunt Mavis how you can play the ukulele. It's a deep dark secret that should be kept. Mm. I really like that song. Is there any way you could play a more twee kind of version of it on your tiny guitar, please? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> and you've known two ukulele players. Actually, yes, I, I have. Um, I feel bad because I don't mind I don't mind um, people that live in villages and decide to make a ukulele orchestra mm. 
they're perfectly fine. I want to stipulate that I actually wouldn't mind living with a ukulele orchestra on this desert island. Just individual, just individual men to play ukulele and think that makes them automatically seem safe. Like it's just. <laughs> it's sort of. It, it feels like a sort of calculated move, doesn't it? It's like you can trust me. I've got a ukulele. Absolutely, absolutely. I think this should be arrested. Incidentally, trust me. I've got a ukulele. Sounds like another version of live, laugh, love, doesn't it? Is that one of the? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> you don't have to be crazy to, to play ukulele, but it helps. It really helps. And do you think they refer to it as a uke as well? Definitely. Definitely. I'd, I mean, I would refer to it as a uke because it rhymes with puke. It's just <laughs> like, yeah, definitely. And so I think as well, if you're someone who does enjoy the sound of a ukulele, I can imagine you coming back mm. from the other side of the island, coming back, maybe the other members of your your um, plane crash, the survivors, you know, they're sitting around by the fire, a nice little ukulele jam going on. I mean, it's horrendous, isn't it? That's when you walk into the sea. That That is when I walk into... That's, that's when I kill them all with a stick and then turn the stick on myself. <laughs> like, that is... <laughs> this island is going to become uninhabited very soon <laughs> that's how I feel well we better press on and find out who would be your second choice on the island then I'm going to change it up I'm going to make it into an individual Oliver Cromwell I would not like to live Oliver Cromwell yes absolutely can you imagine being stuck on a desert island with Oliver Cromwell. Well, absolute prick. <laughs> my historical knowledge is such that um, I probably I can't really imagine being stuck on an island with him. But I mean, I know I'm a, I'm vaguely aware of, of some of the things he's done. But give us a little bit more background on him. So he's the Lord Protector of the Commonwealth of England, Scotland, and Ireland, according to Wikipedia that I've just mm. read out now. But he's an absolute prick. He's a felon. <laughs> he was. For- <laughs> He um, he killed a kid. I'm not a royalist. It's not as if I'm saying this because he got rid of the the royal family. It's because um, he told he told Britain he was going to free them from the tyranny of the royal family, and then replaced it with being an absolute dry arse, <laughs> an absolute dry arse. He banned birthdays, dancing, anything half fun. He 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 banned it, and I feel that I wouldn't be able to live with him. Uh, especially on the island because most of the ex-flatmates I'm talking about are Irish and he had a big problem with them. So the tension would be very high. Yes, I was going to say, like he, he, he did like a, a bit of an Irish massacre from what I've read. Yes, a bit of... <laughs> Partial to a bit of a massacre in Ireland. A touch of it, a touch of it, yes, yes. Yeah, so that that would be a big issue, and also, I'm nearly sure didn't wasn't there like a big BBC? There was like a top ten Britons. I'm gonna have a look. I'm gonna just type in his name mm. and check. But I'm pretty sure he was in the top ten, and I was like, really, Britain, really? Oh, here we go. He's in the hundred greatest Britons, and um, top ten on the list. Sir Winston Churchill, number one. No surprise there. Isn't and I mean, um, isn't Bard Kingdom Brunel number two? Okay. Uh, Les Dennis, number three. Really? No. <laughs> <laughs> so I completely fell for that hook, line, you and sinker. I was like, oh, because <laughs> I mean, who doesn't like a bit of Les Dennis? <laughs> exactly. 
Really, you can't really argue with it. Like, if if you did see him in the top ten, you can't say no. I was listening to you read it out, and I was thinking, God, like it's just people don't probably don't even know much about any of the people. It's just that it's like brand recognition. Yeah, it's just people think who's the greatest Briton? This person because I've heard of them, mm. and that you know, it's like there's that one poem by Rudyard Kipling that's always the nation's favourite poem, just because that's the one they know. You know, it. so I was thinking, God, it's also bloody predictable. And then you said Les Dennis, and I was like, Oh my God, that's brilliant. <laughs> 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 but I'm just an idiot. No, no, I want him to be number one. I, 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 I don't see a, um, a reason why he shouldn't be. Um, then we, you know, you got Elizabeth first, John Lennon, and then uh, Cromwell is at number ten, and he's admired for moving the country to a more democratic state form, though his nomination was controversial due to allegations. It was alleged allegations of genocide in Ireland. It's funny because normally an allegation is like uh, allegations of, um, you know, uh, infidelity. It's not genocide. Yes, <laughs> alleged genocide. But it's quite funny. The, uh, the more I think about it now, the more I do want Les Dennis to replace Oliver Cromwell uh, in the top 10 Britons. Uh, because, you know, Les Dennis would never do genocide in Ireland. I don't think it's no. in him to do that, you know? It doesn't feel right, does it? It's not a good fit. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. So, Oliver Cromwell. So, yeah, so he's very... He's, I guess, one of those people, he's some people's hero, other people's villain. You know, he really can sort of... Sp- split things down the middle quite a lot because I, yes. I don't know how much people know about these of uh, these alleged uh, wrongdoings <laughs> which is the lightest way of putting it possible yeah it's just one man's lord protector is another one's genocidal maniac depends which side of the which side of the sword you're on mm. i read a little bit about him earlier and um it was in the reason these are sort of alleged allegations of genocide is because it's unclear quite whether he meant to give the orders to kill quite as many people as he did. So some people are saying he was. He said, "Oh no, only if they're fighting, oh. you know, if they're uh, with arms." And other people say, "Well, that's dubious because this happened." But I, I think either way, you sort of like bowled into a country, and you're starting a bit of a war. It's still kind of in your name, isn't it? Even if even if your boys went a bit far and massacred another hundred thousand people, yeah. Still, I don't think you're completely without blame there. No, like the way the way it's written about there, it feels like Michael Caine, where he's like, "You're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off." <laughs> <laughs> and also, maybe those people took it very literal. Maybe they just killed people that had arms. Yeah, that, you know. <laughs> So if you didn't, you got away, you were fine. <laughs> Just quick, quickly tuck him inside your jacket, you'll be all right. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and he had very, I mean, anyone sort of from the 1600s is going to be pretty tricky to get on with. I mean, just in sort of general day-to-day terms. But, I mean, he had very, very black and white views, didn't he? So He's very black and white views, but didn't he, didn't he give power to his son, which is like what he had a problem with the royal family about. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I think so. Let me just have a quick check. I'm just looking at the end of his life here for the crack. (laughs) But um, also, um, he was sentenced to death after he died and his body was dug up and they hung it again. I love the logic of the olden days. Like, right, let's sentence him to death. Uh, He's been dead for two years. Doesn't matter. Dig him up and do it anyway. (laughs) 
So just make sure he's properly dead this time. I really hope there is an afterlife so he did see that. Yeah, imagine that. Or maybe maybe that's like you get into the afterlife when you've only been killed once. Yes. And then the second time, then you then you get kicked out of the afterlife. So, oh, no, they've killed you again. No one saw that. It's like this weird afterlife loophole that no one, no one thought about because no one thought that anyone was going to dig up someone so they could cut their head off. Like double jeopardy or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Oliver Cromwell then. Mm. Anything else on Oliver Cromwell before we move on? Let me have a think. Um, just that. I think he's a bit of a hypocrite. He wouldn't help out with... I presume it's literally the only food we have is the that type of food that I'm going to say later. There's no, like natural well growth or anything like that i mean i sometimes allude to there being coconuts and things on the island so let's say i mean you can get what you can forage along with the food that you end up being stuck with let's say that okay i I just feel he wouldn't be a good forager i i I feel he's a hot-headed man uh (laughs) i feel like there's going to be lots of arguments on this uh on this island yeah it's going to be hard yeah no, I, I think that sounds, yeah, and I, I don't think he'll take well to a ukulele player either. They don't see, you know, he's he's a man of war. And, hopefully, <laughs> you know, hopefully, I want, I want Cromwell to murder the ukulele player. <laughs> That's the only massacre I want on that island. Is the all ukulele players? <laughs> so uh, Oliver Cromwell joins you on the island. Uh, who's going to be your third choice? Um, people that join girl bands after they formed and the main one have left. <laughs> nice. Okay. Yes. And <laughs> very specific. Do you have anyone in mind in particular? Um, yes. Yeah, so uh, Jenny from Atomic Kitten. Mm-hmm. Um, Heidi from the Sugar Babes. Well, with the Sugar Babes, you have several options. You have, uh, what is the other two called? Jade. Jade, who uh, was in Eurovision. Mm-hmm. And Amel as well mm. so it'd be quite a populous island there's quite a there's quite a lot of people to choose from um and i, I just picked them um because when i was a kid and i'd be disappointed that uh bands would break up i used to put a lot of my anger on on the new members <laughs> i'd never like write letters to them or anything like that but just you know personal anger it's like when my parents divorced. Uh, yeah, you'd, you'd put anger on the on the new boyfriend or girlfriend that came in, even though they came in after the anger had become too much, and they're just normal people trying to move on with their lives. But no, I'd look at them as the problem. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. It's it's a weird one, isn't it? Because you know, with a with a boy or girl band. It's very odd if a if a new member comes in. Mm. Whereas in rock bands, it happens. You know, it's quite matter of matter of course, isn't it? Because they have such long careers. It's sort of you know, like Iron Maiden can have a lineup with hundreds of members. <laughs> you know, that's true. I've never thought about that before. Maybe it's something to do with like, we just don't expect them to last that long, so it just feels a bit weird if you kind of try and stretch it out and replace someone. Also, also, um, the honeys is a very um, that it's a very strange story. You know the band the honeys, and they had like mm. uh, come to the end of the line. They replaced a member of the band and didn't tell any of the public, and just went on a tour in Australia with a new member. Like Pippa in Home and Away. Exactly like Pippa in Home and Away. Like we. And we're not supposed to not question it or anything. No, it's like you know when you watch Coronation Street and like. Um, the prepubescent boy will go upstairs and he'll be like, 
just going up to bed, mum, and then he'll come down and he's like Adam Ricketts with yeah. a with a six pack. Yeah. And you're like the laws of biology and physics, <laughs> you know, mean something's amiss yeah, here. Yeah. And uh, that that is how I feel. I feel like every person that's brought into a new girl band are people that will not cause trouble. <laughs> so they, they actually maybe they will be good to live with, but um, they're almost like they're they're bred like horses. <laughs> you know, they're there for temperament. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always sort of imagine they're like bred in a huge warehouse somewhere and there's like a production line. One corner of the factories for TV presenters, the other corners for this, these sort of, uh, you know, disposable pop uh, figures. Yeah. And they, it just depends, you know, they go, sometimes the, sometimes the conveyor belts cross and you might get a bit of a crossover. I feel like, I feel like with, um, uh, with this, with this kind of crossover of, uh, competent people that are like chirpy and competent, um, yeah, there is there is a there is a there is a factory element to it. Mm. I was gonna uh, just address the slight elephant in the room, which is that mm. I'm not the original host of this podcast. So um, what? Yeah, my my friend James started this podcast, and I've recently taken over. So I feel that if I don't address it, there's going to be loyal listeners sitting there being like, "Oh, pot calling the kettle black with Dan here." So- what have you explained this before yeah so uh before i took over we did a handover episode where i i got him to choose his desert island dicks Mm -hmm. so it is so we didn't we didn't just try and do a pipper from home and away and just you know let it sink in and never mention it right but i thought i I thought it'd be weird not to mention it now that you've chosen that thank thank god you did because like if you mentioned it after and i'd be like oh i sounded really passive aggressive (laughs) (laughs) has anyone ever said podcast hosts because that would be like aggressive aggressive not that i know of no not so far should you say and has anyone said bigots because i nearly picked bigots but i thought it would be very vanilla like um we've had things like that before i mean piers morgan's popped up on a few occasions so you know you could sort of uh say he's the poster boy for for that sort of genre um so you know fair i was trying to change it up a bit i didn't i didn't quite like i was like i'll pick cromwell just because <laughs> he's a prick and then i'll go like more no it's great more group thing <laughs> it's great no no no. i like i like your thinking a great deal it was mainly mentioning just in case other people were listening thinking god he's got a nerve talking about replacements <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, is, is there anyone in in um of the you've mentioned a few but is there one that really stands out as like the worst replacement ever because sometimes i mean is there, is there ever an occasion where they actually add something to the group or yeah i mean with time um, when I when I talk about this and talking about like my feelings within the first six months and uh, like it's, the problem with the Sugar Babes is I'm very attached to the original lineup of the Sugar Babes and then when Heidi came along and they brought out three good really very good albums uh, you can't stay mad at her and then when Amel came and they did that song about you now I was like aha mm. poor Jade didn't get the chance I mean. It was really watered down Ribena at that stage, and it wasn't her fault. So, is there anyone I particularly hate? Nah, nah, I don't think so. (laughs) 
I, f- I feel it's like a lose-lose thing for them, isn't it? Because you kind of think, right, this is my chance to be a pop star. I've wanted it all my life. Yeah. But I am joining something that if I join this band, then I'm never going to be one of the original ones. But I'm also never going to get a chance to join my own band because I'll have become one of the sugar babes. They're normally plucked from like relatively obscure other bands. Mm. But that's the way it works. It's like... Um, same with Jade. I think Jade did um, Eurovision before she joined uh, the Sugar Babes. And I think Jenny, I'll give her a quick look up here, but she was in a, several bands uh, before Atomic Kitten. And um, a lot of the way pop music works as well, like Pure and Simple by Hearsay, um, that was a song for another obscure band. If you're an obscure band and you have a half decent song, you can guarantee in about two years' time, it'll be taken and given to like a Premier League pop star. Yeah, because you think, oh, this is a real hit, but you're never going to use it. No one's heard it, and uh, yeah, that's it. Mm. I mean, like poor Jenny, Jenny Frost. Like, just imagine Kerry Katona is a very big personality. That that is. That is like being the quiet new stepmom when you have a very loud mom before and you're a kid, you're feral, you don't know what to do. You'll just lash out at, at Jenny Frost. <laughs> <laughs> so Jenny Frost would be the big one for me. Fair enough. She was, yeah, she was in a band called Precious before Atomic Kid. Okay, yeah, Precious. I yeah. think also with the combination of people you've got... You know, she's going to be singing with ukulele guy or your old neighbour or, you know, someone with this mm. sort of live, laugh, love kind of vibe. Um, Oliver Cromwell doesn't know what's going on. He d- he doesn't understand pop stars. You see, I wonder what will happen with Oliver Cromwell. I mean, is he a ghost or is he a reanimated corpse? Mm. I mean, he's been sentenced to death twice. How... Is he? Is this a uh, time machine? What what way are we mm, going about this? These are things I maybe should have thought through before. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> this is your podcast. You tell me your opinion, and we'll stick to that because this is. I say we're just going to go with him. I mean, let's uh, let's just say he's like the reanimated version of Oliver Cromwell because we can't reinvent, we can't rewrite history. I mean, he has been killed twice after all. So let's just assume that he's there. He's sort of reanimated, and he's going kind to of back to life once more. Ready to die again. Third time lucky. <laughs> I wonder who will have more traumatic stories than Jenny Frost or Oliver Cromwell. Well, they can, like, swap it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you think you've got it tough, Oliver Cromwell. Well, after being yeah. dug up and killed they again. Both... Like, you want to hear how bitchy the pop industry in the 90s was. Absolutely. If you want to hear about purges, you can have Jenny Frost. <laughs> <laughs> it was just as bloody. It was just as bloody. <laughs> But um, yeah. Now, mercifully, amongst the wreckage of the plane, there was some food and drink left over. Amazing. Unfortunately for you, it's your least favourite food and drink in the world. What are they and why are they so bad? I'm going to start off with the drink. Okay. And that's uh, Negronis. Negronis. I hate Negronis. Yeah, very fashionable these days, aren't they? Adults seem to drink it, but it, ta- it tastes... I was nearly going to say jizz. <laughs> But I thought that would be... <laughs> oh, you keep, you're very, very welcome to say that. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll stick with Negroni. <laughs> I mean, technically, the other isn't really a drink. It's, no, that's you know. true. <laughs> just, just a bucket. And everyone's like, where did it come from? And Oliver Cromwell is just looking very shifty <laughs> in the corner. <laughs> oh, man. Um, 
yeah, Negronis. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Uh, I don't like Negronis. They taste bad. Um, I get very bad hangovers. So if I do have alcohol, it needs to be in a slush puppy form. Mm-hmm. I feel okay. Or, or like a really. I I go for really really posh wine or really cheap cocktails. Those are my things that I like. And Negroni, while it is a posh cocktail, feels like it feels like one of those things where. It may, if you don't like it, it makes you feel like you're not grown up enough. Do you know what I mean? Like, because they look really nice, everyone's enjoying them, and I'm sitting there going, "This is really bitter," mm. but not in a sort of, you know, like I don't mind saying being sort of, I don't know, because sour drinks are all right, but bitter, it just sort of stays with you, doesn't it? Yeah, it feels like um, I've licked someone with a sports injury. <laughs> like it just has that type of, you know, horrible hot feeling on my tongue. Um, it's 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 not that nice. It's not nice at all. And uh, if I'm going to drink alcohol, I want to like drinking the alcohol. I'm not one of these people that looks at alcohol as a medicine. Um, mm. y- you know, and that's not me giving out about people that have alcohol addiction. It's just I if it's not enjoyable, I don't I don't see the <laughs> difference between Negroni and Tenants, um, like Special Brew or something like that. They're both unenjoyable to drink. Uh, just one is more socially acceptable than the other because of expense. See, it feels like there's this there's this real sort of rise in these bitter drinks over the last few years. Like um, Aperol has become a thing, and that's one of those same sort of like that's bitter, isn't it? Yeah. And I'm convinced no one really likes them because often if I see a table of people in a bar drinking Aperol spritz, mm-hmm. guaranteed when they leave they're always half full. They never, they're, they're always left over. You can always see it. And I think you like the idea of this, but really we all know there's more, there's more fun drinks out there. It just, it just looks good. It does look good. I do like the, the rise of the gin and tonic goblet thing. That's, that's pretty cool. Like, I, I, I like the idea of putting a cucumber and botanicals and all that stuff in your drink if mm. it's enjoyable. But with a with a Negroni, like I'm not even sure what's in a Negroni, but it just tastes absolutely bitter. And that's the horrible thing about being an adult. It's bitterness, generally. <laughs> um, you become bitter and then you drink bitter drinks and uh, <laughs> it's not great. Uh, yeah, and, and you know, it's not it's not gonna quench your thirst in a in a desert island condition. No. Why why is drinking nice things, things that taste nice, seen as uh immature to to like things that are nice? It's weird, isn't it? I just think it's like our mouths get bored as we get older, you know, so you need more challenging weird stuff, but then mm. it doesn't seem to be at a uniform rate. Some people, you know, are just content to I think I like most things, but yeah, Negronis I can't quite get on board with. I'm glad. It just feels like one step too far. Yeah, yeah. It's just, if, if I had a choice between Negroni and Jizz, Jizz all the way, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> and yeah, I'm not quite sure if I'm there yet, but, um, you know, maybe I'll give the two a try later and, and see see how I feel about it, and I can, I can come back to you on it. <laughs> do, do. <laughs> And what's going to be your food choice? Oh, so the food choice is going to be, uh, I'd, I'd say this, you get this a lot, uh, calamari. I hate calamari. Calamari? Yeah. Right. Yeah, mm. and and I'm talking about the breaded type. I think it comes from a memory where um, I went to Disneyland Paris with my grandparents and it was an all-you-can-eat buffet and I was like, 
happy days. I was eight years old. Mm. The prime, my prime, I think, <laughs> being an eight-year-old in in uh, Disneyland. And um, I, I picked up what I thought was onion rings, sat mm. down. Uh, the, the, the texture still makes me sick to this day. Like, yeah. It's just not nice. Yeah, it's a very you know? funny... It's like... If you described it to someone and you weren't allowed to say what it was, you're like, no, try it. It's not not a strong taste. Kind of like rubbery. Yeah. You know, it, it's a weird way to describe things, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, and I just don't like breaded surprises. I don't like surprises <laughs> in my food, especially when it's covered in breadcrumbs. And uh, I feel like I was lighter. Uh, even though I wasn't lighter, it was in French. It was very clear what it was <laughs> if you spoke French. And I suppose as an eight-year-old as well, it's very uh, disconcerting because when you when you go, oh, what's this? And they say, oh, don't worry, it's a squid. I mean, that's going to be quite scary to an eight-year-old. Yeah. And then someone ca- came up to me last year and said to me, uh, no, they didn't come up to me and then start the conversation with Alison um you know, they use pork anuses as calamari. Pork anuses? I mean, this came up in a conversation and then they popped it. <laughs> it wasn't like a town crier. Yeah, apparently, like, um, the pork anuses have been found uh, in what was described as calamari rings because they have a similar texture. Wow. But that could be... You know what, actually, the... When I said that out loud, sounds like a lie. I'm just going to quickly type in pork anuses. <laughs> well, this is going to be an interesting Google. search result. See, it's good we're, we're all uh, locked down. Because if you're doing this at work, I mean, it could lead to a, a whole world of trouble. Oh, the, the police would be kicking in my door. I'd be put on a list, wouldn't I? <laughs> um, oh, so apparently it's calamari's modest cousin, the imitation calamari. <laughs> That has the show. <laughs> I'd never want to be known as Calamari's modest cousin. Oh, anything's modest cousin. Meet my modest cousin, the pig anus. Pig anus. <laughs> um, yeah, that's it. It's a calamari. It's a. Is that cat? Oh my! Oh, there's a. There's a. There's a website called Is That Calamari or Pig Rectum. Wow, a whole website. Oh no, sorry, it's a it's an article. Imagine if there was a website called Is That Calamari or Pig Rectum? And <laughs> you could just <laughs> click on it and it would tell you. Yeah. Truly these are modern times. So artificial calamari is a pig pig rectum. So Wow. Well, I tell you what, I mean, I'm going to throw that in there with you as well, I think, you know. Imagine yeah. if you don't like one, you're probably not keen on the other. <laughs> So I get a choice, like a buffet of either calamari or pig rectum. Well, I thought the worst thing would probably to be like a big lucky dip and you don't know which one you're going to get. <laughs> like like a really horrible version of Revels. Yeah. Like really... <laughs> <laughs> wow. Hmm. That's amazing. Well, I I like that sometimes this podcast turns educational. <laughs> Me too. I've been, to be honest with you, not that knowledgeable about uh, Oliver Cromwell, although I should have looked him up a bit more, but pig anuses, I know it all. I hope we're not just turning a load of people off that lovely holiday favourite calamari, but I think we might well be. <laughs> Good. Good, I'm delighted. Uh, now, Alison, fortunately, you won't be without entertainment on the island. The plane's entertainment system continues to work, but just your luck, it only has two working settings. One is your least favourite film of all time, and the other is your least favourite song. What are they and why? 
Uh, I'm going to go for uh, Dire Straits and uh, The Walk of Life. Oh, yes, yes. You know that song? Yeah, I know that song. I work for a commercial radio station, of course I know that song. <laughs> oh, Christ. I'm, like It's played at every wedding in Ireland. Mm. And I feel that... I feel that no other song has probably seen more tragedy than The Walk of Life. I feel I feel like it's been Manny the soundtrack to like the father of a bride getting a heart attack at a wedding or yeah. something like that. They're like, No, you must wake up and then you hear Walk of Life and the <laughs> It's just a it's just a a very pedestrian, uh terrible song. Um I I've no time for dire straits. Um, and also it just it just um, the dance that people do to it as well it's kind of like a, a little funky walk mm. it's just a it's just a very 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 bad song yeah it's, it's very I suppose song. it's one of those that people stick on as a DJ at a wedding as a sort of unifying song because they know that you know get the oldies up and get the dads up on the floor that kind of thing isn't it mm. and those songs I think secretly don't please anyone mm. apart from You Can Call Me Al yeah. uh, by Paul Simon yeah. which is an amazing banger that gets everyone up Everyone up and the and the arm movements that people do to that song incredible or Africa by Toto, yeah. Just, just why do you need Walk of Life when you have those two songs? It's very much the modest cousin, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> it is the modest cousin of Paul Simon or Toto. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? I think from now on, if if I don't like someone, I am gonna call them the modest cousin. Yeah, I think it's I just... think you've started something here. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I think um, it's yeah, Dire Straits. They feel like I've never been a big fan. They, it's it's just a little bit. There's not really any grunt to it, is there? No, I'm I'm struggling to name any members of them. I I never see. BBC documentaries where because there are other bands that I don't like but I can appreciate are good mm. or or that, that people like like for instance it's not that I don't like Genesis um, but no Genesis are a way better band than Dire Straits they have better music and yeah sorry I'm struggling to think of a band um, at least with what are they called uh, Sta- Status Quo mm. they're a bit of crack yeah. they're fun yeah they don't take themselves that serious. And I think Dire Straits are in no position to take themselves that serious. And I don't know whether they do or not, but I would put them in the in the status quo school of rock. Yeah, and it's uh, it's um, something as well I can imagine the ukulele guy playing along with. Yes. Um, you know, or he'll sort of, or maybe he'll go, oh, I don't know this one, but I'll know another Dire Straits one, and he'll start playing Sultans of Swing or something. But they're, oh. they feel fairly interchangeable, don't they? Yeah, they do. I feel like Oliver Cromwell would like Dire Straits. I feel like if he was alive today, yeah, it's the only band that he would like. Yeah, definitely. I don't like dancing. I do like Dire Straits, says Oliver Cromwell. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They um, absolutely. They feel like very much a stalwart of those kind of uh, those CD double CDs that come out around Father's Day. Oh. you know, that just have a real like idea of what a dad is and what they like. You know, generic dad. Yeah. Maybe it's absent father music. That's what. 
uh, dire straits. <laughs> <laughs> Every second Sunday, drive to get the kids yeah. to put on dire straits. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And you can just sing along like Maureen is a whore or whatever the name of your ex-wife is. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, very, very much, uh, very much custody on a on a Sunday music. That's what I would call it. <laughs> custody on a Sunday, the new album from Dire Straits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just, you know what? I don't know what it is. Since we've been talking about Dire Straits, I've just got like this weird memory of the smell of cigars. Do you know what I mean? Like a sort of grey leather jacket that smells oh. of cigars. Is this a repressed memory for you? I don't know what it is. It's just it just feels like the same ballpark, doesn't it? You know, it's like those grey or brown leather jacket. A little headband. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Maybe the sleeves rolled up a little bit. Mm. You know, the occasional little Hamlet cigar, something like that. It's uh, yeah, it's a frightening package. Oh, a Hamlet cigar as well. Mm. Yeah. Bought for a celebration, and then they thought, "Feck it." Just smoke it now. It's been two years. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's a good choice. Good choice. Um, okay. And uh, what is your what's your film choice? Kids. Uh, the 1995 American coming of age drama Kids. Yes. Hate it. Despise it. My um, my boyfriend. Um, we're going out seven years now and he's into his films and uh, I'd never seen kids because I was too young to see kids when it was a big thing um, but I did see the Adam and Joe um, <laughs> teddy bear remake of it so I had an idea that it was about teenagers that were sexually active and um, I watched it and I wanted to kill ev- well not everybody just the, the young but I wanted to kill everyone that had been involved in making it apart from uh, Rosario Dawson and Chloe Savini hmm. um, it just made me so sad have you seen it? yeah it's, it's really ble- I remember being at school and probably about 14, 15 and some friends of mine had seen it and they just kept going on about it and maybe some other mates had seen it and it was like seemed to be this quite cool film and everyone used to quote it but I'd never seen it but then later on in life it came up and I went, oh yeah, this uh, this is going to be good because I remember everyone going on about it and I was like, this is this is harrowing and I think it's so harrowing. I think there's that thing sometimes when you watch films when you're kind of a teenager, you don't quite get the full brunt of it. Maybe your empathy isn't quite as developed or something, or like, or you're just trying to be cool mm. so you don't sort of really think about it too much, or you're just stoned all the time. <laughs> and like, and so yeah, I've got a real shot. I just thought it was going to be a light-hearted kind of kids up to no good in the, in America, but no, it's yeah, pretty brutal. Oh, it's so brutal. I I I stopped watching it. There's a part where they're in a swimming pool, and I think it's like Rosaria Dawson's character. Um, they make fun of her, and um, I just um, I just pressed up and I looked at my boyfriend and I was like oh so you enjoyed this when you were a teenager and he was <laughs> I was just so angry about it um and it's not like it's because uh, I've seen when when I was a young teenager I was about 15 I watched a film 13 with Evan Rachel Wood um which is about this um these two girls who they they do solvent abuse they they inhale aerosols and they give a person a blowjob and I was watching this with my friend Donna 
and I looked at, we both looked at each other and we were like we're 15 and we haven't done either of this yet like what are we doing of our lives it felt like the Forbes <laughs> 30 under 30 we just felt like we'd achieved <laughs> nothing of that sort <laughs> so um, maybe if I watched kids when I was of that age and it came out it's also he the, the main protagonist is into skateboarding and he says butterscotch all the time and um, <laughs> I just felt he had a lack of swag uh, for me the, he, he was getting too much too much sexual activity yeah for for a man with that many um, spots on his back um, like I think the the women should have pointed it out to him yeah he's quite a sort of creepy little kid isn't he and I mean that's good for that thing and I get like we're not supposed to like him and the but it's the yeah and and I appreciate it's good art for for it's just my personal taste mm. but I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's a bad film I just hate it so much with every fiber of my being <laughs> because of the the subject matter uh but like you know I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's a bad film but I just, it just does something to me. Yeah, I agree. I think it's one of those films that you watch it late at night and then you're ready to go to bed, but you have to watch something else before you go to bed to sort of cleanse mm. the palate a bit. Yeah, definitely. I feel actually that me and Oliver Cromwell <laughs> might get on watching this film because we'd both be absolutely <laughs> disgusted and go into murderous rages. Yeah. And then I would ban... I would ban skateboarding, dancing, <laughs> any mention of butterscotch. Well, yeah, because he's a Puritan, so he's going to be all over that, isn't he? I mean, he really you're going to have to explain what a skateboard is first, but after that, you know, it's gone. <laughs> yeah. I would love to see Oliver Cromwell watch kids. I think there would have been a lot more massacres. Like a weird episode of Gogglebox where Oliver Cromwell's on the sofa watching kids. <laughs> Yeah, what is a takeaway? What is it? Who are these men? <laughs> that would be amazing. I think he'd even be offended at like uh, songs of praise as well, though. Yeah, like, probably. He would be like, "They're too jolly. Look at look at those people enjoying their faith. You should be, you know." Yeah. <laughs> he, he would he would find it I'd say he'd probably find songs of praise as offensive as kids yeah probably I mean it's difficult to know when you're sort of that level of Puritan isn't it I think you know chairs are probably considered a luxury aren't they but oh yeah especially maybe a curvy chair do you know like a chair with a bit of like uh, maybe looks a bit like the calf of a of a leg he would burn it yeah obscene obscene furniture absolutely absolutely like peaches would be burned uh what else yeah. of? aubergines i mean I, I think he'd probably never seen an aubergine in his life yeah. i'm actually happy for him that he was out at that time uh, <laughs> and not now <laughs> Now, Alison, finally, the island is overrun by the biggest dick of all the animals. Which animal is it and why? Oh, yes. The animal I'm thinking of is the stoat. The stoat. Okay. Yeah. The stoat. Because um, the stoat is... uh, I used to know a lot about stoats when I was younger. um, Because a stoat killed my rabbit Ah. and um, didn't eat the body. But I kind of interrupted him 
and he just lifted my rabbit up the like about a six foot wall wow. and just dropped him and almost I would describe laughter oh my God. coming from that stoke but I think that's more of a that's more of a like a memory that I've implanted in my head to like get around it <laughs> <laughs> was he wearing a leather jacket as well <laughs> like smoking smoking a cigar his, his hamlet his one hamlet he's having a celebration <laughs> he's like that's what you get from making fun of single dads house. and he's like <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, yes, yeah, stoats are one of the only animals that kill for pleasure. Um, they eat the equivalent of their own body weight in flesh wow. uh, every day if they could. They are absolute killing machines. Uh, yeah, and should be seen with uh, great fear. Uh, if a stoat was big enough, it would murder you and your family. And I wouldn't care. And I believe you as well from that description. Yeah, it's the it's the Raoul Moat of the animal world. <laughs> Just scary, you know. <laughs> and um, I mean, I don't really know the distinction between them and weasels and ferrets, but same sort of ballpark, isn't it? Or are they the real bastards of the group? They're the real bastards. Um, to be honest, because they're from the ermine um family of animals. Um. But uh, they are they are similar to weasels and ferrets, but uh, stoats are just they're they're they're, mm. they're just shit scary. I think I saw a program about them once, and what put me off was they they kill rabbits, as you said, but their their rabbit is much bigger than they are, so they chase it and chase it until the rabbit's just exhausted. They've got more stamina. And then they just chase it until it can't stand and then they kill it, which just seems like such a horrible way to go. Could you imagine? I mean, <laughs> they wouldn't have to chase me for long, to be honest with you. But um, I'm just trying to look them up here on the animals of Farving Wood because I presume <laughs> if they were in the animals of Farving Wood, they would be abs- They would look absolutely evil, <laughs> I'd say. Yeah, they should be the baddies. Yeah, when an animal is a bad guy, it's definitely uh, when when they're when they're in uh, when they're in the animals of Fire and Wood and they've got like a frown on their face, they're bad. They're bad eggs <laughs> altogether. Um, what have we got here? Oh, Ron Moody was in this. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um. I can't see any stoats. Oh, they've all... Do you know what's weird about the animals of Farvin Wood? They've all got, like... Mm. For instance, there's a Mr. Rabbit and a Mr. Hare, Mr. Pheasant. Um, and then we got, you know, Mr. Hedgehog, Mr. Vole, Mr. Mouse. But then there are other people with nicknames, mm. like Measly or Mossy or Friendly. Um I wonder how you develop a nickname and how you... Is it the original person on the show that gets to keep their moniker as, as a Mr. and Animal or what's the... Yeah, I don't know. What's the yeah, name? Yeah, maybe it's sort of... As the plot, as the plot line develops, they realise that this one's less of a Mr. and more of a... I don't know, whatever they call them, yeah. Yeah, an attitude. Yeah, an attitude. yeah just a feeling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, if a stoat was in the animals of Farvin Wood, to be known as an absolute bastard. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> what they would be. <laughs> no, they sound sound horrendous. And uh, so, did, so were there a lot around where you grew up? Um, no, I don't think so. Like, there weren't like too too many of them. That's my only experience with them. I grew up in um, a rural part of Ireland. We have like. Um, 
The only time I've seen badgers is when they've been splayed across a road. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's not a good way to see nature. You know, yeah. you know, there's no pet petting zoo of roadkill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, that's how most of us learn about it. Like growing up, isn't it? Yeah. No, in London, like for instance, here I'm chatting to you, but I'm looking at a pigeon. Tree pigeons live on my balcony, and uh, a squirrel is always coming up here and eating me bulbs. I feel like I'm very at one with nature in London here, <laughs> especially uh, since the corona. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they, they really are like the cock of the walk, these animals at the moment. They're having a great time. Yeah, well, there's all these stories, aren't there, about sort of in, you know, the Welsh town when all the goats have come down from the hills and they're sort of taking over. And, you know, yeah. It's, uh, I wonder if there's going to be a power struggle when we're released back into the wild. Well, yeah, there should, and we should be very afraid of the stoats because I think they'd be the ones that would be yeah. uh, helping the animals um, but in, in my village like sheeps constantly and, and cows got out of the fields and kind of messed around in our garden it's quite it's quite nice to to yeah to live your life with animals yeah I mean it's one thing sort of having an animal on the island that's uh, just a bit annoying but having something that's sort of outwardly as aggressive as stoat sounds I mean is uh, is quite another matter yeah so yeah they're they're furry wasps. That's what they are. They're furry, furry wasps. I think you've put it beautifully, and a very good way of rounding off your choices for the island today. So, Alison, thank you so much. Now, um, obviously, you know things are a bit different at the minute. We're all locked down, but where can people hear or see or find out more about you? Um. So, as I've been saying on other podcasts, I I start my tour next. I'm joking. Um. <laughs> I do a thing called Co-Video Party, which is a film um, a film watching club on Twitter every night at nine o'clock. You just go to the hashtag Co-Video Party. Um, what else am I doing? I've got a coffee account that you can contribute to um, if you like the stuff that I do. Lovely. And that's about it, really. Oh, and I, yeah, I've got a podcast called The Alison Spittle Show as well. Brilliant. Brilliant. Lovely. Well, Alison, thank you very much for choosing your Desert Island Dicks with us today. And uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much. (laughs) 